Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome into another edition of Off the Chest with Pecky and Dunny. I'm Brian Dunseth. He's the coach, Mike Pecky. Uh, straight off the backside of the Mike Pecky Coaches Show, lights go off, the mic stays hot. Speaking of Mike, see how I did that? How I are you, man? You're, you're pretty good like that. I'm, I'm, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a while. It's been too long, man. We, I need this in my life. Good. I need this therapy, too. We were joking uh, earlier today. If we were going to charge each other, who would actually make more money? You would. It's your name on the podcast and the show. We're talk- no, we're talking about like psychiatry here. If you if you would have charged me for me to vent on you yeah. and all that stuff, and yeah. I'm not talking about soccer. I'm talking about life and my craziness. You'd be a millionaire, dude. Throw I like a price the idea out. of that. Throw a price out. I like the idea of that. Uh, can we do hours? We, we could do by the minute. You'd probably be rich by the it, minute. By is, the hour. Is your insurance co- company covered? I moved that? on from that. I, okay. I'm, I'm 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 done trying to find a therapist that takes <laughs> that takes my insurance. None of them do. So I said, you know what? Men- mental health work. is more important than money. <laughs> Let's just throw it out there, dude. I uh, love it. So it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, you guys were on the road in Montreal, in New York. Got a little bit of a break. U.S. Open Cup happens. I am not a fan of the U.S. Open Cup. I have won the U.S. Open Cup. I complain about this every single year. Take it serious. Put your best starting 11 out. Play during an international window. Have a U.S. under-23 camp. Oh, by the way, the coach can't be a part of this because he's taking a U.S.-sanctioned pro course. I get all that right on the backside of the world, uh, the, uh, the U.S. Open Cup? On the outskirts looking in, absolutely. Okay. So where did I get it wrong on the inskirts? I'm not saying I got it wrong. <laughs> Again, I had the option with three days or four days before I left for this course yeah. to change everything up. And I just, and do it again next summer? Yeah, I didn't think Do it, was, it over yeah. the next first round of U.S. Open <laughs> Cup MLS play? <laughs> no, because actually um, a Wilmer from Houston was at this course because he took the course last year. Okay. And he was forced from, I think he had his first child for one of the weeks that they were there for the course. So he actually said at the last minute, I'm going to get my, you know, my child. And I think he was born, the child was born in Switzerland. His wife's in Switzerland. Oh, wow. Uh, anyway, uh, and he looked at me <laughs> during the course and all, he says, guys, don't, just finish it now. Just finish it. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I made the, the right decision. your child. Made the right decision. Oh, man. Um, so first off, the course. Yeah. Good experience? Um, it, it's been an unbelievable. But I'll even take it a step further. When I took the new A course, I was the part of the first ever uh, I think it was three years ago, the first ever new A course. Okay. The old A course, as you know, was like five days. It was out in LA or yeah, down in Florida. Yeah. Florida. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, the new A course was a year long, just yeah. like this process. And it was invaluable because you're always trying to learn and seek knowledge as a coach. And how can you do that in five days, you know, in Florida, as opposed to three separate five day trips? Mm. You know, to Kansas City when you're on the field 12 hours a day, it was it was unbelievable. So this course is an extension of that, and um, I'm excited about it so far. You know, a, a lot of the complaints on the backside when we were looking at everything that went wrong, uh, missing out on the 2018 World Cup. Obviously, a lot of it comes down to the pay-to-play model. Yep. I'll remind everybody gently that every sports in the United States is a pay-to-play model. Um, when we peeled back that onion, one of the things they talked about was coaching curriculum and the cost associated with this and the amount of time that it takes, as you said, with the kind of this new idea of the courses over the past three or four years, 
that the amount of time that's expected along with the travel, along with the hotel, and the cost of the, the course itself, it's pretty financially consuming Very. and time-consuming as well. So obviously a, a, a man in your position uh, in his second role in Major League Soccer – is it, you know, we, you and I talk about this. The A course is tactics, 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 yep. tactics. The pro course, much like it is in, in UEFA pro course over in Europe, um, it's management. Management. It's taking the identity and the experience of the players. And by the way, this 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 last course had guys like Xabi uh, Alonso. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, I mean, big name players yeah, yeah. that that are finishing that pro course. Now here in the states, as it's being implemented, I think this is the third year, third year that yes. the pro court. This is more about the individual and collective management yep. of your team over the course of the year. But but it is also that's the bulk of it. But it is also about style of play, and it is also about tactics. But it's not as opposed to the A, a course. When I went to the new A course, we were on the field every day, hmm. you know. And then we came back and we videotape and we analyze and we get critiqued about that, you know. And then we talk about analyzing a game. Here it's a more of management leadership and all that stuff but everything starts from the beginning with your style of play mm. you know and the whole course runs through your style of play and if you think about it everything from leadership to managing a locker room um to managing above as well owners and, and everything to the media all goes back to the style of play everything fits into that you know so while it's not as much tactics on the field any tactics in the field it's more about implementing in, in a structure that U.S. soccer, and I believe in, feels is the right structure, putting your style of play. So to put it in perspective, every assignment that I do, and I've already done about five for this course, and in the A course it was, I don't know, 15. Um, everyone, myself and all the candidates, they, they, have, they go through the same process. I'm sitting at home going, geez, what, how do I start this? Yeah. I, I know what my leadership— um, How do I convey it? How do I convey it? Yeah. What, what do they want to see? And there was a constant feedback from them saying, guys, there's no right or wrong. It's how you do it. Hmm. And then what we're going to do is we're going to try to give you, you know, a Scenarios. structure that we feel that could help you even get it better. Okay. But it's not like it's, it's not what's right or wrong. And it took me a while to get over that, you know, and now I'm finally there because I no matter what they say, you know, nothing. I'm going to I don't think I'm going to take anything away from how I am. I only think I'm going to add things because okay. I, I stand behind, yeah. you know, how I do things. Uh, but it is that thing that to get over it that, hey, guys, we're not here to tell you how to coach and what style to play, what formation, what tactics, blah, blah, blah. But what we're here to say is that when we watch you do a session, they come to you as well twice a year. So they came, uh, my instructor came for five days leading up to Toronto. He's coming again in July. Okay. Five days nonstop over your shoulder, no matter what you do, he's there. Completely inclusive. Completely. Well, okay. it depends on the candidate. And, and we, I included him completely. If I met okay. with my GM, he was sitting right next to me. If I met with a player one-on-one sitting right next to me, I would check with them. But what they do is they film you. While you're there. So when I did my sessions, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he filmed everything. He was there. When I brought the team in to talk, he was standing there. And then afterwards, we talk about it. And it wasn't a situation saying, you did wrong here. I don't think I know. He said, what, what did you think about when you stopped that play right there because you didn't like whatever? You know, and I say, oh, I did it because of this. And he said, did you notice this? It's one of those things. And you said, wow, I didn't notice that. You know, and it's just, it's, it's that type of thing, so which is for, cool. Yeah. So for us from the outside looking in, one of the things I always wondered was, all right, the idea of implementing this mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah. Who's qualified to tell you what you're doing right or wrong? <laughs> a lot of people. No, Brian. no, no, but I mean this. I mean this as a general blanket yeah. statement as okay, the first thing we think about is when you and you called yourselves candidates yeah. for this pro license. How do you go about if you're US soccer identifying people 
that are going to change the curriculum mm -hmm. of how the education process is here in the United States. Because, Mike Pecky, I'll tell you this. When I look back at what Germany was doing, we got to be German. When I look at Holland, we got to be Dutch. Oh, France just won the World Cup. Oh, my God. Are you seeing what they're doing at Clairefontaine? We got to be French. Oh, my gosh, man. Brazil, have you seen the amount of players they're producing and selling? To you? So, but it doesn't happen that way. No, I, that's what I'm trying to tell but so you. So how, how, how are the people that are in charge, yep. how do they get to be in charge to afford you the opportunity to now internalize what you're doing with your group? Well, I could throw a bunch of things out. Uh, experience. Yeah. The guys who are above us are very experienced. You know, they've been with FAs around the world. You okay. know, youth national team coaches, professional coaches, you know, 40, 50 years experience. Uh, I could I could scream all that stuff out. Guys who have who have created curriculums, you know, in along with other major people. But it comes down to is that for me, U.S. Soccer is is a huge football association. One hundred percent huge yeah. financially, you know, and now a bit of history. No matter what we've won or not, they, yeah, it takes a lot game, of hits, but it still game. is what it is. It really is. I can't imagine that they're just saying, oh, you know, I like these two guys. Let's uh, come over here and change everything. There yeah. was a vetting process mm -hmm. like you wouldn't believe. And everything's scrutinized nowadays. I've really enjoyed the instructors, uh, Barry and Wim, um, that I've one's from Belgium and one's from um, Holland. Wim's from Holland and uh, Barry's from Belgium. Um, these guys have been at the top elite, you know, in the youth national teams with, with their respective countries. They've sat along. I mean, Barry sat along uh, Roberto Martinez uh, nonstop. He has an in with him seeing. And, and they're very... What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not somebody... They're constantly changing it. They, they obviously have a style of play, mm. these two individuals. They have a curriculum. They have all that stuff. It is constantly changing on a daily basis to the point that when we're at this course, they're saying, man, I can tell you guys an interesting story. Uh, for 30 years, I've been following this type of thing, and I would just sat with this coach over here, and I agreed with what he did. So I went in there, and I changed it. And that, to me, is weird because... Uh, yeah, 30 I, I years have, of philosophy. I have, a, I have an 80 or 80... The staff and I have, I think it's an 85-page curriculum right yeah. now. And we've changed little things, but I'm pretty set on this curriculum. Yeah. And to hear him say that, that for 30 years I've been doing this and it just took me an hour of sitting this and watching this thing. So to me, I love that. You know, I love that because what I don't like is somebody that has... Rigid curriculum, yeah. Tunnel vision that, nope, mine's the best, you know? Nope, I don't care what you say. No, to me, that, that takes a lot, and, and that's who I want to be associated with, you know? And that's why it, it further makes me believe in what they're saying is that we're not here to tell you what's right, hmm. you know? Yours is going to vary, and, you know, just here's how we feel you could implement it, and here's how we feel we give you feedback. So there, I guess there's, there's, there's three conversations in this. Number one, you're not taking away, but maybe you're recognizing things you can do better. Two. No, you're taking away as well. Okay, so two from they, the other from the other candidates. Yeah, well, and, and I want to get to that too. Yeah. It reinforces what you're doing, at least what you're doing well. Yeah, and you're getting that positive reinforcement. I guess the third part of that is what you just kind of brought up. You're sitting in a room full of really competent, vetted, and, vetted coach. You can't, you, you don't just volunteer for this coach. Yeah, so for this course, I mean. You know, you're vetted. The, these are guys that are either coaching. Yep. They, they have their teams in Major League Soccer. Or guys or that... Or the USL. There's a lot of USL guys there. Or guys that are going to be as either insistent, assistants in Major League Soccer that are going to get their opportunity. I remember Josh Wolf did it a couple of years ago. Yeah. He's Berhalter's yeah. right-hand man, whether it be for Columbus or for the U.S. Men's National Team. So in saying all of that, 
how who's the first to step up to share these stories? Because I would imagine as you get more comfortable, it's it's just a it's a brotherhood. It's yeah. a collective where even if you don't tr- like somebody, you still kind of respect the stories and the angles or at least you try to understand in their shoes where they're coming from. But somebody's got to open up, Mike. Somebody's got to be willing to say, I know this is in house, but there's there's some great stories yeah. being told that will never see the light of day. That is, how do you manage individuals? How do you manage situations? How do you how do you manage all of this? Yeah. Which is, hey, I'm I'm a coach of major league soccer team, yeah. but that is not even scraping the level to the depth in which you guys have to deal with each and every day. I'll tell you, I, I mean, Barry and Wim, the, the instructors, they said it best after the first course and actually leading into the second course. At the end of the first five days in December, they sat back and they said, as we were leaving, they said, thank you guys. Mm-hmm. And they said, we mean that because while we did a lot of talking this and that, there were so many points that they would bring something up and they would literally sit back. And then all of us coaches would debate for hours Hours over the most minute little thing, whether it's from tactics about trapping on the wing or it was about managing a player who perhaps is making this much money. And it was just stories back and forth. Mm. Well, I, I like how you did it there, but I, this, is, this is how I did it. And this is why I did it. Yeah. You know, and then a back from that person, you know, well, I see why you did it. But, you know, why would you do it that way? Because of this, this, this and this. And to me and to the instructors as well, they're not stupid. They recognize is that you get like minded coaches together. And you're bound to just get into these great debates and bounce things off each other. Hmm. And and to me, that's been one of the most invaluable. And I love women, Barry, and they, they've done a great job. Uh, but just being in the room and, uh, I mean, for God's sakes, we had Greg Berhalter come in the second day because we were in Minnesota when they were there in the national team to do a chalk talk, you know? And it, he ended up being like three hours. Of course, two hours before that, Barry and Wim say, okay, split up into these four groups. You have three people in every group. You're going to analyze, because we all had to watch the Venezuela-U.S. game. You are going to put a presentation together for Greg. This group over here is analyzing their attacking. Hmm. This one over here, analyze defending. I was in the group of, of transition, attacking and defending, defending and attacking. And they didn't have a great result against that game. And you're sitting there going, okay, the national team coach is coming in here, Okay. Somebody that we all respect. Somebody yeah. that we all have a personal relationship with. I have a personal relationship with Greg. Yeah. Um, so do we, do we start putting clips in there? Because we had to do video clips and everything. We had an hour to just put this presentation together. There was a lot of transition moments there that were, that were bad in that game. Yeah, there was a lot. a lot that were good. Yeah. So we're sitting there in the group going, all right, who's going to present this? Who's going to, you know? And it, it, was, it was eerie. But Greg was unbelievable. Unbelievable. He debated certain things he didn't agree with. He said, you guys are spot on in this, in that, in this aspect. And I just thought that that part of the course, sitting there with a national team coach hmm. who is respected by all of us, who's getting ready for a, a major competition. Major tournament, is, yeah. Yep, uh, coming off of a, of a letdown, who's taking this over, for him to put himself out there and be vulnerable, you know, and say, this is how I like to do it, and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I agree with you. I don't agree with you. It, it, was, it was awesome. It was invaluable. And then the next day to invite us to his training session. Yeah. It was, it was great. So... Is there one specific that you take away more than anything from, from an course? Op- yeah. Yes. Um, again, I'm going back to the same thing. Some of the things that we talked about, about how, let's take Ante Razov. Ante yeah. Razov is, is in the course. He's Bob Bradley's um, assistant. At LAFC. For those, At LAFC, yeah. yeah. Uh, team that's flying, a team that you could say all you want to the highest spending team. They have the best talent that money could buy, but they have best some Best team damn in Major League Soccer. Best team and no. could go down as one of the best teams in history. Yeah. Uh, but damn good coaches, you know, starting with Bob. And to hear how different 
they they go about things on a weekly basis, not better, not worse, just different mm. compared to what we do. And then getting into debate with Ante about, you know, well, this is why we do this. We could do this because Carlos Vela, you don't have to tell him the first nine things. Yeah. It's just knowledge to him. Yeah. But the 10th thing, we really want to trap in this literally five-yard area. You know, that's the specifics with yeah. someone like that. You know, as opposed to other teams that are in the course that you really have to develop and you really have to keep pushing, you know, whether your style of play or your style of play based off the opponent. Yeah. yeah. You know, his big thing to me, and we were debating, was the amount of work that we do for the opponent we're playing, they hardly do any at all. Mm. They're just pushing their style of play, which is so respectable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having said that, I took away from this course, I came back and I said, and I had no shame in it, you know, just this great debate that I had with Ante and the other coaches is that, guys... We've talked about this for a while because we have for over two years now. We do an unbelievable amount of preparation for the team we're playing. Mm. And I like to think that then we fit our style of play in based off of that opponent. But I wanted to get back to the conversation with my coaches. Guys, I want to get more back to this is how we're going to play. Yeah. Okay? It doesn't mean we're not going to mention uh, Schweinsteiger, you know, that he's playing going to probably play center back and he's unbelievable with the ball and he's going to move into space and then you could probably exploit him with speed. We're always going to talk about things like that. Yeah. But, I mean, the amount that we've done – Literally just working on this is how they play and this is how we're going to play against them instead of saying this is how we're going to play. Yeah. You know, and again, that was a great, and I'm just using that as one example. There was three or four more, but that's yeah. the most prevalent one. You know, it's, what's interesting is as you bring this up, um, earlier last week, well, I guess last week on uh, Sirius XM, a show that you and I did on Counterattack before you got the job yeah. out here in Utah, we had Unai Emery on, Arsenal manager. You and I did? No, no, no. Tony, oh, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't remember. I that. had him on the show on Friday. Uh, and he was here in the United States having a conversation. He has speaking engagement um, with David Villa, his group, in Long Island. And he was just in the United States for a couple of days. And there was kind of two things he was driving home. One was the education component, but the other one was getting away from youth soccer and just the winning culture. Yeah. And more about the technical and the tactical side of educating kids. And that the competition will bleed itself through once you have these kids understanding the technique and the ability and left foot, right foot and all yep. that. Um, but I asked him straight up because <clears throat> here's a guy that's won Europa League on multiple occasions. He's uh, been a La Liga manager. He's been a Russian league manager with Spartak Moscow. He's Very been, been at, at, at uh, Sevilla and won three consecutive Europa League matches. He got the job at PSG and was in charge of Neymar and Mbappe and Dani Alves and all of these, Edinson Cavadi, all these massive players. And now he's at Arsenal. But there's no other coach, coaching courses for him to do. He's got a, his coaching courses on a daily basis. Daily basis yep. with the players that he's around and then the relationships that he's fostered with other coaches. So I just straight up asked him, for a guy in his position, a Premier League manager who's been in multiple leagues and multiple cultures and had arguably a top three player in the world at his disposal in Neymar, are you interested in the way other teams play or approach you? Mm-hmm. Or is it more of a a personalized conversation with managers that you've become friendly with over the year that you find yourself gravitating towards. And it was kind of interesting hearing his response because I think it, it was a mixture of all of that because there was no coaching, coaching curriculum left for him to do. So how do these managers go about sharing their philosophies and their information? And it sounds as though this is a microcosm of what that is, yeah. this, this pro course yeah. here in the United States. <sighs> 
I agree with you 100%. You're at a point now. I'm at the top of, of where I'm going to go. Mm. I'm not going to – I mean, you have a dream. I'm not going to coach in Europe. Yep. I'm not going to coach a U.S. national team, all right? It, there's, there's always a possibility. Don't get me wrong, a small percent. This is where I'm at. So why wouldn't I want to take as much knowledge as I can and give whatever knowledge that I can? And when I talk about knowledge, it's more about experience. It's more about sitting down like you and I are. Mm. You know, most a lot of the conversation after 12 hours on the course is at the hotel bar. Mm. You know, I mean, we went down. Ante and I, we played LAFC for the Open Cup. We sat next to each other with both our computers. We had a beer, and we watched it. And throughout that thing... We started just talking openly, like, what's he doing there? You know, oh, God, we worked on that last week, Mm. you know? And then the conversation comes back, well, why'd you work on that? You know, like, based off of who we are. I have no problem talking to Ante, and he has no problem talking to me because I know what LAFC is. I know what to expect. There's no secret there, you know? And for the most part, they know our style of play, you know? So it's invaluable that the coaching course goes far beyond the five days that we're there, you know? It goes even into my assistant coaches every day going in and going on the board and saying, hey, this is how I want to press this team. You know, the, the assistant coach saying, well, why are we doing that? Because of our strength is this. Well, no, the reason why we're doing it, and it's back and forth. It's yeah. back and forth. And I'm somebody who is not a dictator. I'm somebody who loves collaboration, and I'm, le- I'm somebody who loves to get to the best situation and scenario that's going to help us succeed. I don't care where it comes from. I don't have an ego enough to say, no, I didn't come up with that, so I'm not going to do it. And it's a lot of those coaches are very similar. Yeah, it's interesting. I love hearing the stories behind the scenes because I, I think it's fascinating to hear how how you guys all go about it and you go about it differently. But mm-hmm. the willingness to share because of this 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 coach's union, yeah. so to speak. I mean, you got to hear, right, I'm not going to say the name. There's one. There's a coach in there who I love. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. Uh, he's a USL coach. Yeah. It's a. It's one of the newer teams that have a huge following. Um, and it's not Eric Wijnaldum, by the way. Um, <laughs> he tells a story in one of his presentations that when he got the job, he was the head coach. He was the equipment manager. They didn't have a washer and dryer. He would take all the uniforms every day home and wash them in his house. He had part-time staff members who didn't make enough money and they, they couldn't support their family. So he would, he would give them money because he comes from a bit money from overseas. Just to, what he went through. Hmm. And they went from a starting thing that they had nine guys signed when they started preseason. They had to build a team. And now they're doing decent. And to hear somebody like that, to hear what he's gone through, and I could complain all I want from this job, the last job, everybody always complains. Yeah. But to hear that and not only say, wow, I have a new perspective on things but forget about that how did you get through that period yeah how did you manage that situation how did you take the team that was like that and now you're here in the standings you know forget about tactics that's what it's about yeah. how did you manage that situation because i'm i'm pretty certain in this job i'm not going to end up cleaning the clothes of the players but that that could be a that could be a um what's the word i'm looking for not a cliche but it could be you... awesome no <laughs> I'm just imagining which player would be like, hey, coach, yeah. watch my coach, watch, watch my jams watch right my now. Watch my right? No <laughs> chance. But, I mean, you could uh, equate that to a situation you're having at this club and say, okay, I'm not washing clothes, but I'm really washing, you know, yeah, a situation. Yeah, yeah. How did you get through it? And no, it's, uh, it was unbelievable to hear this. Uh, let's take a quick time out on the flip side. Uh, I want to come back. I want to I get your take on goals versus goals and celebrations, mm, especially wonder where this is at going. the World Cup level. You're listening <laughs> off the chest with Pecky and Dunny. Welcome back in. You're listening to Off the Chest with Pecky and Dunny. Uh, Mike Pecky, he's the coach. We're also like, I'm just Brian Dunstuff. <laughs> hey, um, 13-0 Thailand, you know, U.S. Women's National Team opening uh, their group 
at the Women's World Cup in France. Mike, quick backstory. I'm flying back from Mexico. Uh, we are delayed taking off. Flights were crazy expensive. There was no direct flight. We have to go through Phoenix. We land. We're stuck on the terminal. We have two hours to make our next flight home for Real Salt Lake. We have to go through customs. We have to get our bags. We have to drop them off. We have to walk to the next uh, terminal. We have to go through uh, security again, and then we have to get to our gate. They left us on the tarmac for another 45 minutes. Once we got, we had 14 minutes to get to our gate. It was 12 minutes going through security. I send my wife on a runner. I've got the baby. I've got the stroller. I've got the backpacks. I'm like, just get to the gate and tell them we're coming. My son sprints down in front of me. I got the baby. I got the stroller. I'm running through. I'm the guys with multiple backpacks. I'm hurtling past people. I'm almost running people down. We get there. We can't find my mother-in-law and my middle <laughs> Might boy. Might not be a bad thing. Well, <laughs> well, your middle boy, yeah. Middle boy was with her. <laughs> uh, long story short, she got caught because she left the water in her bag and had to go through oh, all of her gosh. bags everything. So lady's like, we're closing the door. We're closing the door. My wife sees me coming after running back for three or four times. She's like, no, he's coming. The lady's closing the door. My wife slides. She sacrificed her she body. Threw, no, she threw the stroller into oh the door so the door couldn't close. This was in Mexico? No, this was in Phoenix. In Phoenix. Connecting back. Wow. And there was no other flights that She's night. So my lucky wife, that... Mama Bear came in. She almost got arrested. I was going to say, yeah. in this day, wow. Mama Bear. She Mama Bear. You've met Mama Bear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's not afraid. Um, so <laughs> I get on the plane. I'm dripping sweat. Baby's in my hand. He won't fall asleep. I got to change his diaper. I need to get something in his body. Like, he's hungry. He's thirsty. All this stuff. And my phone's blowing up. How the hell could they celebrate when it's 13 nil? Oh, oh gosh, my yep. God. And so, Twitter, right? So, I'm like, well, 13 nil, that's not really a surprise. It's Thailand. No disrespect to the FA of Thailand. But there's not a lot of infrastructure or financial support. And I guess in a good way, this puts pressure on FIFA to support the women's game in yeah. every federation, as well as their own federation, individual federation, to continue to raise the bar. Then I saw some of the goals. Mm-hmm. Now, let me make it very clear before I ask you your perspective. Yeah. Mike, I got no problem with scoring goals. I really don't have a problem. I've been on New England Revolution teams and Real Salt Lake teams. When we were getting throttled five or six nil, you know what I did? I put a foot in the next player mm-hmm. that came through mm-hmm. me. If you were going to celebrate at five nil... I was going to very gently threaten to break your leg. Yeah, you want to get a red card. I was going to drop an elbow. Mm-hmm. I was going to give you a flying taco on the back of your neck. I was going to do whatever it took to let you know that, by God, if you took another shot, I was going to break you. Yeah, yeah. So, 13 no. Thailand doesn't have that culture. They didn't have those type of challenges. And I had no problem with the women. Where it started to bug me, and I know this gets caught up in the moment. I know this is a World Cup. Yeah. I don't mind the fist pump. I don't mind Mallory Pugh or Lindsey Horan or any of the players that scored on their first international appearance in the big stage of the World Cup. And I love Megan Rapino, mm-hmm. But getting caught up in the moment and doing the pirouettes and doing the leg kicks and all yeah, that, yeah. that one, I'm, I'm an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. Then Alex Morgan gets her fifth and she starts counting them out one, two, three, four. I guess for me, if you've been there and you've done that, and I understand it's a brand and it's commercializing yourself and it's setting yourself up for the rest of your life because you've just scored a goal or five goals at the World Cup. But as an introvert, and I know I'm an extrovert in a lot of ways, as an introvert, I can see celebrating with your teammates. I can see a fist pump. I can see a Carly Lloyd. Yes. But the context in which you've now made yourself a target, not only for your opponents, but for the world in general. Am I out of bounds? I mean... I don't have a problem with the goals. But it's 13 nil. Well, 
let me start by this. Great job in asking a question and taking all my answers in your question. Oh, was that your answer? I mean, you just you, you just gave all every perspective <laughs> imaginable, which which is great. Um, listen, we talked a, a while episodes and episodes ago. It probably was I think it was around politics that I made a statement that I'm a walking contradiction. Mm. I could see. You know, I could read on Twitter. I could watch ESPN. I could listen to Alexi Lalas, you know, and all these guys for this game. And I could see everybody's opinion. And I agree with all their opinions, mostly. The one argument that I've heard is that it's a World Cup, and you may never score in a World Cup again. 100%, maybe. I get it. But like you said, Megan, you know, I mean, she scored goals. Third Lewis. or fourth, yeah. 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 Alex Morgan, they scored them, in it. Yeah. You know, I've never been in the World Cup. I'll never be in a World Cup. So Agreed. I don't know what that feeling is. Yeah. I could tell you this, is that I've, my sons have been a part of teams as recently as this year that they have beaten teams 12, 13, nothing. Mm. And I've taken extreme exception to these young players and the coach for not stopping it at 13, nothing, celebrating and everybody jumping up. I think it was ext- extremely poor to the point that I had a conversation with my son after the game. I don't want to see that. You know, I had the same conversation with my boys. Yeah, there's, there's a way. There's a Act way like to win. Yeah, there's Act a like way you've to been win. There. Having said that, I go back to it's the World Cup. Mm. You know, this U.S. team has prepared relentlessly for four years now, a cycle to get to this moment. Goal differential, they was talking about, and goal differential is big in the women's game as no well. No doubt, hundred percent. You know, the U.S., the France, it, it could come into Sweden, play tomorrow a, against a hundred, Sweden, hundred yeah. percent. But yes, I mean the leg kicks, the the one, two, three, four, five. I'll say this: my taste, my my opinion. I didn't love it. I'm not faulting them for it because that's on them. Yeah, I understand. That, that's your opinion. That, 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 that's your. You get um, caught up in the moment. Your opportunity. I, yeah. I I I don't think I would do it. I think a fist pump for me would, would suffice. You know, and if I was the coach or everyone coming together. Yeah. Come on, bring it in. Let's get a group hug. Like, well done. Let's yeah. keep it up. I got. Like, I don't. I don't have a problem with that. But again, I'm not. I'm not here throwing stones, you know, yeah, and, and, and I know it's your job kind of to throw stones at times when it's warranted and you get paid for that, mm. you know, I don't get paid for that. So, um, <laughs> what I'm saying is that it, it wasn't my taste, yeah. but it, it's on them, you know? So by the way, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think there is anything more malicious than what it was meant to be. I don't, I don't think this was, I didn't mean throwing stones. Yeah, that was no, the wrong no, thing to say. You. I mean, no. critiquing, yeah, you no, know, I that's your job to critique. No, I throw stones. I do. I throw stones. <laughs> I don't know if you do. I don't know, that just came no, out. No, I got a couple people that I go after every once in a while, <laughs> but that's because they deserve it. But what do you um, do in a world cup? What do you do if you're the coach there and at 13, now they're still celebrating? I think there's an easy way. And, and, and tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm a manager in a situation like that, the next substitution I have, I've sent a message in with that player to be like, enjoy it, yep. but settle it down. I'm grabbing the captain. Mm. While that goal celebration going on, that the, the one that, whether it's six, seven, eight, that ticked mm. me off, I'm grabbing the captain saying, hey, you know, we've earned this. It's awesome, but get these guys on a huddle Lock right it now. Up. Yeah. And let, Lock it up. Be humble. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, but that's j- me. That's me. No, because I see, I'm the same way because with, with my boy, um, my oldest boy, he scored a goal. He was so excited. And, you know, because of the Fortnite craze, he started yeah. flossing. Oh, my, 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 did yeah. yep, yep, my youngest. And so two things have happened. That set me off, and I was like, get over here. Yeah. And I was like, we're done, sis. We don't act like that. But let me ask and, you. And, and no, because I didn't want to take the moment away from him, because I wanted, I wanted to see the joy in his face, yeah. and I wanted him to celebrate in the correct way. But I also wanted to use it as a moment, a yeah. teaching moment of, hey, by the way, you just scored that great goal. The next time you act like that, they're going to demolish you. Mm-hmm. If there's one kid that takes exception to what you just did, 
there's a chance the next time you're in possession of the ball, he's going to wipe you out. <laughs> he's going to he's going to throttle you. Mm-hmm. So my middle boy doesn't celebrate. He kind of like scores and he puts his shoulders up in the air like, oh, what did I just yeah, do? Yeah, what did I do? <laughs> yeah. So th- those were the two. So that's like the extrovert moment where yeah. I locked up. The other point, my son got pissed. When both boys have done this. I've pulled him off the field. I've taken, and not coaching, I've, as a parent, pulled them off the field. And it was, my kid got kicked. And as the kid dribbled away, he laced this kid's drag foot and tripped him up and the kid went down hard. I would think you'd, you'd give him an ice cream sundae for that. No, I took him off the field. <laughs> I took him off the Ow. field because I wanted him to understand there's a difference between being competitive yep. and what sportsmanship should be. Yeah. And again, play the game however you got to play the game, but do it the right way. Yeah, of course. Of course. I had the Fortnite experience with my 11-year-old. I think it was uh, when he was last year, the year before, mm. and it, it angered me. You know, But I had that moment. I, did, I didn't do it in the moment. It was one of those moments that I said, you know what? I said, there's going to be a learning experience on our way home, mm-hmm. driving. I said, but I didn't want to suffocate him. Yeah. You know, he's going to learn very quickly from me, you know, about sportsmanship and this and that. And the way I did it was fun. You know, imagine you were winning 6 nothing. Mm. You know? Oh, losing 6 nothing. Yeah, I mean. somebody did that. How would you feel, you know? I want to kill the kid. Having said that, I want, you know, it, it was a nice moment that they, they enjoyed, but I... Very quickly, we have not seen the Fortnite dance since. But man, you're gangster, <laughs> At least by the publicly. way. You're gangster. You pulled them off the field in the oh, moment. Yeah. Wow. The coach was like, no, no, it's okay. I was like, no, that's not what we do in our family. I had flashbacks of my dad running across the field during a game because I didn't play well, so I didn't want to do that to my kids. <laughs> oh, trust me. I, uh, I, I got the, well, why'd you tackle? Um, international break. Yeah. What's it like watching your players play? Uh, it's by the way, you, you told the story about the transition attacking defending for Greg Berhalter. Yeah. Jefferson Savarino oh, yeah. was Unreal against the He did the a run. Um, they didn't score on this play. In the, there was a transition moment that Venezuela, Venezuela uh, won the ball, and they ran at, I think it was um, Long and Miatska, I think, mm-hmm. when they were playing together. Yep. And Tim Ream was back there as well. And I don't know if you remember this play. In the first half, um, Jefferson, he was running straight at Tim Ream. He literally took a step to the right. You remember that play? Yeah, Took a I step do. to the I right. Do. And Tim got double, uh, what do you call it, legs tangled up, and he ran inside. It was almost like a football yeah. play, yeah. like a wide receiver. Went inside, yeah. And the ball was played to his feet, and, and he took a bad touch. That would have been one of the best transition goals that I've seen you know, in a long time. Um, but Jefferson has played well. He played well against the U.S., uh, against Peru. I think he had some extremely good moments. What I'm always looking at, to be honest with you, with my players, is I want to see how they play in every facet, all four facets of the game, attacking, defending, transition in both moments with their national team compared to what I expect from them. Mm. You know, whether it's work rate, you know, whether it's commitment, whether it's um, coming outside to inside that we like to do. And then I love to see that because if it's on par to his, the, the effort that they give here, great. If not, there's a conversation to come back when they come back. It's got to be infuriating, though. It's a bit I, infuriating. Because, because when you – but I also – I'm not saying that there was a moment with Jefferson. No, no, I'm no, just no, saying no, that's no, how no. I look. No, I, I'm trying – I guess – I get what you're saying because there's something about the national team and national pride where instinctually there's this, I am playing for my family Mm -hmm. and for my country and this is the highest honor and I'm going to leave every ounce, every ounce that I have on the field. And as the domestic coach to say, hold on a second, (laughs) why are you capable of taking it to this level when I'm asking you, to take it to that level, oh, no, we and do. you're not doing it. Well, again, I, I, and I don't know this isn't a Jefferson. Nothing. The, the, no, yeah. no. The, this, this is all is, my players. I this just is look at. every 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 coach's experience that you have had as a as a manager. Yeah, but there's also things that I look at. 
about perhaps I'm not using a player in the right way, whether it's mm. Jefferson, whether it's Corey Bad when he when he goes there, uh, whether it's the four players that just went with the national what team. What about Albert? Yeah, I mean, Albert, watch Albert, out. I mean, you see him plays multiple. wide right, yeah, you know, yeah. pretty much plays wide right there, but he comes in, and that's why we've played him a couple of times. That's a perfect example, by the yeah. way, because we're sitting there. How do we fit the most talented players in that we have here? And and I think it was uh, Freddie or someone said, you know, and I've watched Albert, but never put it one one together. Yeah. Uh, you know, Albert plays wide for his national team, and so we put him there a couple times. But his instruction defensively, he has to be out wide. Yeah. But when we have the ball, he has carte blanche to come and create an overload. Central that's what he does that's with Slovakia, more, yeah, more with comfortable, Hamstrick, yeah. yeah. And then it's on the, it's on Aaron or it's on um, uh, on on Donnie right now to take a higher position mm-hmm. from an outside back. Um, but I'm looking at Jefferson and I'm saying, okay, what is he doing with this national team? That's different than what we're doing, but perhaps suits his needs more yeah. or, or brings out the best in him. And then from there, when you identify one or two things, which I did, can't that fit in our system? Mm. You know, so that's that's really what I'm looking at. And of course, there's pride. You know, I mean, I love seeing Jefferson out there. He's, yeah. a, he's a religious man. He loves his country, a country in tor- turmoil right turmoil, now. Yeah. Um, and, and he's somebody that that has earned it, you know, and it's going to it's going to be awesome when he comes back to use this as a motivation for him. Hey. You know, this is what we need from you, you know, like I've, like you've been giving. Yeah. But if you want to get back to the national team, if you want these rumors going around right now, you know, if you want to capitalize on that, it has to start here at the club. So one thing that I thought got brushed under the rug more in a bigger perspective, I know there's a, there's, there's a lot of the hardcore soccer fans that paid attention, but with the U.S. under 23 in Salt Lake City, um, the group of players brought in for a training camp, you had – Four, potentially five, depending on the day, starters involved yeah. with that camp. So kind of the importance, whether whether it's kind of a, an Aaron Herrera and a Justin Glad, yep. or it's a Brooks Lennon and a Bofo Sacero, to continue to give them the self-belief and the sharpness yep. amongst players in their age group. That will be a part of qualifying that's been moved from the fall to next spring uh, versus those that haven't been playing significant minutes, that now, after a couple of sessions of double days, might be sharper and mm-hmm. fitter than what they were when you guys headed into this break. Well, I, I have a firm belief in, uh, I think you said it a little while ago, you might have, um, I don't think there's any greater honor for a soccer player to represent his country mm. at any level. It's the biggest honor. They had an opportunity, they were called, and I had a conversation with Jason back when we played LAFC on the road um, earlier in the year, and we were short with players. I couldn't release them for that. And yeah. it kind of stuck with me a little bit, you know? And the conversation I had with my staff and with Craig was, hey, this is, this is, we're paying them, you know, this is their job. Okay, I get it. When this came up, I couldn't deny him a second time. Yeah. You know, they've earned it. Whether, whether Brooks right now, let's use Brooks as an example, whether Brooks right now is playing as much as he wants to or maybe he even deserves, or, or, however you want to spin it, he's a good player and he deserves this opportunity. And then when it came up that the Open Cup was during that thing, I didn't really give it a second thought, to be quite honest with you, mm-hmm. because I'm like, you know what? I denied them the first time. All right. I, I want them to experience this. Maybe they come back more you know, energized, more invigorated, whatever it's you want to say. It's beneficial in a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 And I think they had a great week of camp. I spoke with Jason briefly. briefly. I'm going to have a more intense conversation with him about them. Um, but I think it's going to be in the long run good for them. You know, it's interesting, too, because I, I think you've seen, much like you were talking about Jefferson and the opportunity to see him with his respective national team and his group and maybe how he not plays differently, but yeah. how he approaches the mm-hmm. game a little bit differently than his domestic duties with Real Salt Lake. It's kind of a similar conversation because you have at your disposal this group of under-23 eligible, Olympic-eligible players that are going to replicate potentially a World Cup format at their respective age group, but guys that can play in multiple positions. Yeah. And they're going to be seen 
through this coaching staff for the under 23s in maybe a different light yeah, than what you see. Yeah. And then on top of that, David Ochoa yeah. starting at the under 20 World Cup. Yep. And even though they end up falling to Ecuador, uh, the eventual winners were the uh, was the Ukraine who yep. beat the United States 2-1 in the opening game. Ochoa was fantastic. Even though he shared a majority of the minutes with Brady Scott, yep. you've got to... You know, people talk about the evolution of this roster and the importance of the next generation of players. You got a player on your hands and goal coming through the pipeline. We do, you know, and now it's it's a matter of a lot of different uh, variables, you know, about when he's ready to step in. I mean, it's no secret Nick is retiring at the end of the year. Yeah, you know this that this is a very sought after position, yeah. both internally and Patna, externally. Horvath, yeah. Ochoa, and then the amount of calls that people know. I mean, the, the the amount of people that understand that that position is going to be available. Yeah, and and the expectations of that position based off of Nicky's body of work over the last 10 years, yeah. you know, one of the best goalkeepers with the ball at his feet, yeah. you know. Um, but Ochoa has a very bright future if, if a couple of things come into play. He continues on the course and, and being professional and working hard, um, listens to the goalkeeping coaches because I'm not going to teach him anything. Yeah. I might show him how we want to play, but um, aside from that, um, he has an opportunity. You know, whether that's next year, whether it's the year after, whether it's three years from now. Yeah. You know, we have a plan for him, and the plan says that it's a four-year plan based off of this year, the first year. But that, that, that plan could be cut in half if yeah. he, you know, really steps up. Continues but to But we, we have a yeah. plan for him, you know. And there's also Putna, who's done well when he's filled in this year. Yeah. So we have two young options, and then we're obviously going to be looking elsewhere to see what the best fit is. You know, we, we talked about a bunch of different players, but also, and, and looks like, I, I don't know if I should drop this. Uh, oh it sounds like next week we'll have a, a certain Laura Harvey in with us yeah. to have a couple of big conversations. No pressure, Tyler Giblets. Um, how cool is it to see Becky Sauerbrunn and Love Kristen her. Press? Yeah. I mean, to know Kelly O'Hara is involved, yep. to, to to just watch the Desiree Scott, to, to watch the amount of, of Utah Royals stepping up and playing Katie Bowen with New Zealand, playing... At the women's, by the way, Dan and Matheson covering yeah. the tournament with TSN. It's just so cool in the women's see, game. And Rachel, sorry, I apologize, Rachel Corsi. Yeah, and both losses, unfortunately for Scotland, two one losses. But how massive it's been! It's so cool to see Utah Royals representing on the biggest stage in the world. It's interesting because my locker rooms are down the hall. Let's say that, and we're down the hall from in the women's game. Mm. In the women's game globally, you could argue that the Utah Royals are. You could call them the Barcelona. Of the world, you really could. Hmm. They they have arguably four, three, four, five of the top ten to twenty 100%. players in yeah. the world. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, and so it's pretty cool to watch that. And I know Laura has these great players, but she makes them better as well. Hmm. And to see that such a large faction of these players are representing different countries, um, Utah, yeah, Salt Lake City. Real, uh, Utah Royals. Utah Royals. I mean, it, it, it's awesome to watch, and that's a big reason. If I had. If I had a 90% chance I was going to be able to make a game at home to watch the, the Women's World Cup, I would make up that extra percent to get yeah. home because of that. Yeah. I want to watch women's soccer as well. I love watching the U.S. women's national team. But having so many players from our backyard that are playing in there makes me just that much more invested. By the way, quick story. Down in Mexico, the boys, uh, because of a certain <clears throat> Tyler Giblets, Giblets, rock Utah Royals hats. Nice. And both boys were rocking Utah Royals down in Mexico. Three different times the boys were stopped to talk about Utah Royals yeah. in mean, Mexico. That's what it's become. I mean, and, it's, and it's pretty incredible to see kind of just the general awareness that's starting to sprout up about the club. Yeah, I love going to those games. I really yeah. do. Well, uh, Tyler, can we say we're going to have Laura Harvey next week? 
Are You've you confirmed here? it? Wow. 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 I, might actually, I might actually text her and say, just tell him no. Just tell him no. Just so next week we just bag on you. Yeah. Well, uh, I, we're, we're going to bring Laura in. We've got uh, Pride Night next nice. Friday and Saturday next weekend here at Real Salt Lake in the Utah Royals and Real Monarchs as we'll kind of delve into that conversation as well. Uh, if you ever have a question for us, voice memo, send it over to digital at Real Salt or at RSL.com, digital at RSL.com. Off the Chest is an RSL Podcast Network production in collaboration with KSL Podcast, recorded at KSL Radio Studios, Salt Lake City, Utah, produced by Ryan Hale. Subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Mike Pecky, I'll see you next week, buddy. Later, bro.